0: OK, we're going to begin this story. It's called The Royal Albert Hall Came to New Bonningbroke. It's a rewrite from a longer piece describing the July 1980 South Lindsay Ecumenical Partnership Flower Festival held at New Bollingbroke Boring, in Lincolnshire. It's a story from It's a Rum Life, Book 3, Ivy House Tales 1970-1984. to 1984. The reason why that reference is in there is because you can look at the book uh, online free of charge and you can find the story in there. The original part of this story was the full story of the 1980 Flower Festival celebration for the South Lindsay Ecumenical Partnership. In this shorter version, we're just going to look at that Saturday evening concert held in St Peter's Church, New Bolingbroke. Our location is about 10 miles north of Boston, on the 7 miles Strait, in the southern part of the county of Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom. To set the scene, we had staged the actual flower festival in New Bolingbroke as located in the village were the parish church, a Methodist chapel, and in between those was the town hall where refreshments could be laid on for all the visitors to the two-day event. It was suggested to me that we should have a concert on the Saturday evening and I did manage to persuade a local silver band to play for us. Silver band, like a brass band, use all wind instruments. The band leader then suggested that they would need a break during their playing programme and perhaps I could find a singer to entertain as well. Before we get on to the subject of a singer, there remains the question of why me? Well, I was at that time the co-chairman of the South Lindsay Ecumenical Partnership. The organisers. And as I lived in New Brombroke, then much of the organising fell to me. Now, David, we must not forget one of the central characters of the story, our local Church of England priest, the Reverend David Loke. David was the vicar of Sibsey and also responsible for the other Church of England premises in his patch. And his patch was that South Lindsay Ecumenical Partnership area. This comprised of the village of Sibsey, Sibsey Northlands, Frithville, Carrington and New Bolingbroke. Within these villages there were churches in each village except Sibsey Northlands, which was very small and geographically close to Sibsey. The SLEP agreement allowed for shared worship. That was in fact what it was all about. So David was licensed to preach in any of the Methodist chapels in the group, and the Methodist minister, who was based in Boston, could also preach in any of the Church of England churches in the group. Eventually, there would be need to close premises that were little used within the group, and the SLEP agreement was a sugar-on-the-pill, as it were. There were Methodist chapels in Sibsey, Sibsey Northlands, Frithville and New Bolingbroke. Back to David who lived in Sibsey. He was a slightly built man with receding hair. He was a doctor of music and loved the chance to encourage choirs in any of his churches. I must mention one evening early in his ministry he had reason to visit Ruth and I after a choir festival in our village of New Bolingbroke. It wasn't until a little while after he left us that I asked Ruth if she had heard a car leave when David had left. It was at least four miles from New Bolingbroke to Sibsey, and the roads were straight and dangerous in the dark. We both thought and realised there'd been no car. He must be walking. With that, I dashed out, jumped in my car, and took the most direct route to Sibsey via Stickney. I did catch him up, about one and a half miles up the road, and well on his way. He must have been striding out to cover that distance but it was so dark I only managed to catch him in the car lights as I approached. My first reaction after I had persuaded him to get in the car was to ask why he had not told us he was on foot. I asked him if he had walked from Sibsey for the choir practice in our village. He said he had. That was a good four miles to begin with. Evidently there was something wrong with his car and rather than disappoint the choir members by cancelling the practice, he walked. I told him I'd take him home at which suggestion he was most upset and said he was getting out of the car. I told him that I had come so far to find him and I was not leaving without him. He could be obstinate. (laughs) He was also capable of taking one by surprise. But before that... "'Let us finish that journey.' "'He demanded that, I, that he buy me a drink at the local pub in exchange for the lift. "'So we did stop at a pub called the Star Inn between Stickney and Sibsey, "'and we sampled the local Bateman's Ale. "'We became good friends over the years, "'and because he had arthritis in his hands,' he asked me to help him with the meetings of the Sponsoring Body for Ecumenical Partnership for the Diocese of Lincoln. I became his Assistant Secretary and did all the minutes, and through this august body I was appointed to be the official Anglican representative to this body for the Diocese of Lincoln. Following this, I was appointed as a Church of England representative on the governing body of the William Lovell Church of England Secondary School at Stickney. This is our local secondary school. I eventually became chairman of the governors of that school. But that is another longer and more complicated story. He took me by surprise. One of the surprises he sprung on me was one Sunday morning. It was a Sunday of a service in our church at New Bolingbroke. The different churches took it in turns as David could not be at each church every Sunday. He phoned me at about 10.20 in the morning and asked me to begin the service, as he would be delayed. I'd never taken a church service before. I was used to public speaking in my previous job with Firestone, but this was something different he gave me a couple of hymns and the bible readings for the day and said he'd be as long as he'd be as long as soon as he could ruth and i left uh, for the church a little ahead of everyone else we primed ula at the organ uh, for the music for the service and hoped for the best the church does have church wardens uh, and i was not one of these One of them did not mind my taking charge, especially after explaining about David's phone call. The other one looked at me very old-fashioned, as they say, but that can't be helped. David did come eventually, perhaps ten minutes after he should have. You see, in a Church of England service, well, I suppose the same applies to any Christian church service... If it is to be a service with communion, then an ordained priest has to perform the necessary rites to prepare the communion. I could only go so far with with conducting the service, and then came up against a brick wall, as it were. The other church warden was smirking when he saw my dilemma, but we covered it by asking Ula to play as another hymn. Something rousing that we all knew to keep our, or rather, my spirits up, hoping David would walk in at the door any moment. And he did. So you can see that from the beginning, as our local Church of England priest, our friendship grew. We might as well continue with another little story here. At St Peter's Church, New Bolingbroke, we had a little very little organ, to provide the music for the services. It had been originally powered by a hand pump and then eventually converted to electricity. It was a beautiful little instrument and I cannot tell you anything more of its history here. Our organist at St Peter's was Oola Atkin, Ron Atkin's wife, and she played it very well. But, on the times when Oola was not available, David was persuaded to play as well as take the service. David was a brilliant musician, and every time he played that little organ, he'd made my hair stand on end. I was so affected by his talent and the music he produced From this, with his creaky fingers, the organ fairly jumped around the church. Unfortunately, the arthritis was the reason we could never get him to give us a concert on the lovely organ in his home church at Sibsey. He used to tell me that his fingers would just not stand the extended playing that would be needed for a recital. So I was very loath to initially ask for his help with the music for the flower Festival. Before we leave David, though, sufficient to say that I do not think his time at Sibsey was altogether happy for David Loke. I think he was largely misunderstood, but I always found him very good company. Sibsey was his last parish, and unfortunately he died only a few short years after beginning his retirement in the county of Bedford. Back to our story. So far... We have a band for the Saturday evening concert and the suggestion of a singer. My office at this time was in Horncastle and I had a secretary, a smashing girl called Heather Burt. Her husband worked on a local farm and they lived just out of the town in a farm cottage. I mentioned this concert to Heather who mentioned to me that she used to sing as a mezzo-soprano. Wow! I exclaimed... Would you have a go for our concert? It'd have to be voluntary. Uh, And it's Saturday week. That is about ten days away. She told me the only piece she knew sufficiently well was The Trout by Schubert. But she said she'd do it. But we needed a pianist. For the next few days I telephoned every local school that had a music department. I asked the teachers if they would play The Trout at our concert. Nobody would do it. Excuses ranged from too difficult, not sufficient time to practice, won't play without money and many more You name it, I got every excuse So by Monday, before the Saturday concert, I was a bit desperate I telephoned David and explained, explained the situation, the whole story David replied quite nonchalantly that if I had asked him to play anything else by Schubert he might have a problem but the trout he knew by heart. I forgot to mention to David that there would not be a concert grand piano provided just our family upright that I had bought at the grand charity auction on the village green some seven years before for our daughter Helen to use for her music practice. It was in tune, but had to be transported to the church and trundled here and there beforehand. I did leave the piano move as long as possible to allow Heather and David to get together for a practice, but it never happened. Despite our hunting high and low for sheet music for the trout for piano, I could never locate any. I suppose here, as we are now in 2022, With the internet and computers, it would take just a few moments. But back in 1980, 42 years ago, things were just a bit more rustic. We moved the piano across the road, up the road and into the church on the Saturday morning. I found a truck of some sort, at least it did not have to use its own little wheels. Heather and David both managed to make it for the event. David in his usual clerical suit and dog collar. Heather stood beside him in a long, elegant, off-the-shoulder style evening gown with low neckline and with her long blonde hair she looked a knockout. She was a well-built girl and fairly tall too. The difference in looks between the two of them could not have been much greater and I'm sure the audience did not know what to expect. Some of them knew I had been having problems putting the evening together. Many of the seventy or so in attendance were wearing smart evening clothes. They had all paid extra for their tickets. The church was full. The band was behind us towards the eastern end of the church and I had the piano with David and Heather to the right-hand side of the choir. I announced the couple who were to perform without mentioning that neither of them had ever seen each other before, never mind uh, not having the chance to practice the piece together before the performance. I dare not mention that neither the pianist nor the mezzo-soprano singer had any sheet music to follow either. They were both confident and enthusiastic, and with a glance at each other, off they went. David's. Beautiful playing of that most difficult of piano pieces, accompanied by Heather, who had a lovely commanding voice, was simply magnificent. David was note-perfect. The piece went on for perhaps four minutes, and he finished with that memorable, very twiddly, complicated, beautiful music, which is the trout. I was enthralled, as were the rest of the audience. I've mentioned this in the full story and simply cannot express the feeling of the audience at the close. It was absolutely amazing, incredible, stupendous, simply marvellous, that two accomplished amateur musicians could have performed that most difficult of pieces that they both knew so well and thoroughly enjoyed the performance too. Veritably, the Royal Albert Hall came to New Bolingbroke that memorable evening in July 1980. There we are, that's the end of that little story written by Keith Sanders, and read. Um, new ending to all these tales. Um, as you probably know now, we don't have a shop anymore. Um, all the Cracker Books publications, which are the It's a Rum Life books, there are other books as well about Goliath and other things, and they're all available to download free of charge. So, there are books, there are nearly two hundred of these audio stories, and there's over a hundred videos. Um, you can access them all through our new website. The address is www.itsarumlife.com. The spelling is I T S A R U M. L-I-F-E dot com. No spaces. There's lots to entertain you there, so do have a good look. And thank you for listening.